Fun fact for you guys, 65,000 coaches turned to get the pancake in 2019 for advice, volleyball drills, and coaching resources. That's like a lot of coaches. Whether they were looking for free stat sheet downloads, goal-setting worksheets to use with their team, or just a fun warm-up to start practice with, I'm proud to say, get the pancake delivered. In this past year, we've added tons of valuable information to getthepancake.com. New digital downloads, free handouts, and of course, more drills and tips. There's a lot planned for 2020, and I don't want you to miss it. If you want to continue growing as a coach, sign up for the Get the Pancake newsletter by going to getthepancake.com. There's a sign up link at the top of the homepage. You can't miss it. Come and join our thriving community and let me help you have your best season yet. What's up, coaches? This is Whitney from the Get the Pancake podcast, a podcast for volleyball coaches. Today, we are going to be talking about something that's not so fun, but something that just about every coach can relate to. The title of this episode is My Volleyball Team Doesn't Get Along, Please Help. Now, I'm sure you can relate to this on some level. Even the teams that get along the best tend to have a little bit of conflict that we need to address. I am asked questions about team building and team bonding all the time, and I've given a little bit of information on what I do to help my teams get along better, whether that's just a small side note in another episode or maybe a short article on getthepancake.com. But I thought today, since I get asked this question so much, that I would just sort of address how I handle conflict at a basic level and then work my way up into how I deal with the most severe cases of teams just not getting along. So in this episode, I'm going to give you things that you can do with your team, and they're going to become progressively harder and harder to do. And we're going to start out with the easiest ones to implement and work our way up into more time-intensive steps that you can take to help your teams get along better, and then even talk about what to do when we're sort of having an all-out crisis. So why should you listen to me when I'm talking about this? In over a decade of coaching, I've really only had one team that just didn't get along. And it took me a while to figure out how to handle that. So I'll talk about that at the end because that is a more severe case of players just not getting along. But I believe that my teams have gotten along for a number of reasons, and I think that's because I take a lot of preventative steps and make sure that team building is sort of built into practice every day and sort of how I structure my seasons. So these are all my opinions. I would love to hear your opinion as well. We actually just reached 1,000 members in the closed Facebook group Volleyball Coaches Corner, I'm hoping to get a discussion going on in there about what you do when your team doesn't get along. So if you want to hear from other coaches, there will be a link in the show notes for this episode. Click on that. You have to request to join. It is private. Once you're in, as I said, we have a thousand coaches now, so we can kind of bounce ideas off of each other and learn best practices for maybe what's going on in your area of the country or with 
your specific age group. And while I use my own experience to come up with solutions to the issues that many of you face, I also turn to research online. I use Google Scholar like nobody's business when I'm sort of fact-checking myself and the conventional wisdom just because what we've always done isn't necessarily the best thing to do. So when I'm giving advice, especially when it comes to dealing with conflict, a lot of these things that I'm going to discuss, I've researched and I'll include links to the specific articles that I'm referencing. Disclaimer, a lot of it is taken from the abstract because you have to pay like $300 for an article. So I'm taking the conclusions from a lot of these articles without reading the full details, but as I said, if you want to go and check that it's kind of a legit study, there will be links, so don't worry. All right, let's talk about conflict. As I mentioned, we're going to go from the easiest things that you can do and work our way up to um, interventions, I guess, that are a little more intense, but sometimes you need those. So We'll start first with informal team building, work our way into more structured team bonding, team building activities, and then talk about some drastic measures. This is when you have some serious issues going on with your players. And then we'll wrap things up by talking about preventative actions that you can take. That way you make sure that you lessen the conflict in seasons moving forward. Okay, the first thing that I like to implement with every single team that I have is placing players in what I call get-to-know-you groups. So this gets rid of the us versus them mentality. This is really informal. I mentioned this in my book, which is Coaching Volleyball, A Survival Guide for Your First Season. I've done this with every team since I started coaching, and I think this has been one of the main reasons that my players, for the most part, over the years have gotten along so well. And what I'll do, let's just say at the very first practice of the season, instead of saying, okay, grab a partner, we're going to work on passing, I will have my team line up on the end line based on something very basic, maybe shortest to tallest or by birthdays, something that's not too personal, but something that sort of allows everyone to be an individual and be recognized by the team. So if you do shortest to tallest, for example, everyone will get to laugh and be like, oh, Ellie, you're the shortest. You go over there, you know, and everyone will sort of tease her a little bit. It'll be fun and friendly. And then it'll be like, oh, Alyssa, you're the tallest. You're over there. And then you'll have some people in the middle who are trying to decide, you know, I'm taller. No, I'm taller. And what you're doing is putting in the very foundation of getting these players talking to each other and feeling comfortable talking to each other in a positive manner. So maybe day one, you line up by height. And then when you're putting them into groups, let's say you're putting into groups of two, you can just count off like, okay, you first two are together. You second two are together. Or if you're splitting the team up into two teams, you can do maybe all the short people versus all the tall people, or you can do count them off one and two. That way there's a nice mixture of short and tall players on each team. But like I said, really basic. It maybe takes three minutes. And this is something that I use, like I said, every single day of practice, but it gets my players talking to each other. It gets them laughing together. The first day we're lining up by height, maybe second day we're lining up by birthday 
all of a sudden you find out that there's three people who have birthdays in June and now all of a sudden they're best friends because they have birthdays on the same day or on the same weekend or you find out that someone's birthday is on Halloween and that's really cool. And as the season goes on, you go from really shallow things, you know, birthday, height, um, how many minutes you drive to get to practice. And then in the middle of the season, you're saying things like, okay, what's your favorite flavor of ice cream? What's your favorite fruit? And have them line up alphabetically. And as I mentioned in my book, it's really fun to see when two people aren't really great friends, but they find out that they both love turquoise. It's so cute. Or you can have them line up by what color shirt they're wearing today. Maybe half the team is wearing black shirts and then half the team is wearing bright colors. You know, do a black shirt team versus a colored shirt team. And it's just fun. That's all it is. And it gets your players working with people that they don't normally work with. And it's way better than just saying, okay, go find a partner. Oh, you guys have been together too long get a new partner and then complaining like oh well you guys never get new partners you need to mix it up no just make it a fun way for them to mix up who they talk to and as I mentioned that gets rid of the us versus them mentality so if you're with the same partner every day or with the same team every practice you know maybe it's always this five versus this five and they're not finding any common ground in the middle, then they start to mentally separate themselves from each other, whether that's based on skill, if it's club, what school they go to, anything like that. You're essentially getting rid of it because now you have team chocolate cake versus team pumpkin pie, you know, and that's just a lot more fun and they relate to each other. Okay, so that is the easiest thing you can do. And that's constant team bonding throughout the season. The next sort of informal team building that you can do with your team is mandate high fives. This actually might be really challenging to get started because if it's not a habit, it does take some time for players to get into the habit. So this might take two weeks of you just constantly reminding your team, okay, high fives, what are you doing? Like if you walk past someone, give them a high five. If someone has finished completing a certain task at practice, give them a high five. At the end of the drill, high five everyone. When we come back from water break, give everyone a high five. You're always giving high fives, telling each other good job, Give them examples of what to say to each other, like, nice job, nice serve, way to go, high five. (laughs) Make it kind of silly. And then after about that one to two week period, depending on the personality of your players, it will just become second nature and they will constantly be giving each other high fives. Now, there might be some holdouts that some players are just difficult and they like to kind of identify as the person that doesn't give high fives get rid of that. That is not okay. And one of the easiest ways to do that, which I mentioned in episode 23 of the Get the Pancake podcast, which was a Q&A from your Instagram questions. So there was a study done that shows that players who give more high fives in the beginning of the season, by the end of the season, they were more successful. So if you tell your team, you'll be more successful if you give high fives, most of your team is going to obviously want to be more successful and then your more competitive players will kind of cling on to that. And if there are holdouts that don't want to give high fives, 
as I've mentioned many times before, I'm a huge fan of peer pressure to teach good habits. And those players will start to peer pressure the um, maybe the holdouts to give high fives. So those are the easiest things that you can do to help your players start to get along. If you're already in the middle of the season and they're not getting along, that might be a little bit challenging, but start to implement these at every practice. So using the get to know you groups and then mandating high fives. Moving on to some more structured team building ideas. One of the studies that I found said that cohesion, so we're kind of thinking about how well players get along, is based on a shared perspective. So basically, if your team thinks that they all get along, then they get along. That's what I'm taking out of the study. So a little more structured way that you could do that is to just take five to ten minutes at your next practice. Just call players over one at a time. Um, or you can send a feedback form home with them. Just ask them, you know, how well do you think we get along as a team? How well do you think you get along with everyone? You can go more in depth, but if you want to just keep it really basic, really um, quick, just ask players one to 10, where do we rank? I'm guessing that most of your team will be within one to two numbers of each other. So you might get mostly sevens and eights back, or you might get sixes and sevens. My guess is that's where most teams are going to be, um, especially if you're listening in real time at this point in the season, which is January. And I think that seven to eight is probably a healthy place to be. Obviously, we want our teams to be getting along really well, but as you get to know people, when you're around people, there is going to be a little bit of conflict, and I think that's fine. It's We're not living in a perfect world, people. If you start getting responses that are closer to six or five, that's when you need to start getting more serious about team bonding. But seven and eight, you can kind of cruise along with those informal team building activities And that should be good for your season if that's kind of where you want to hang out. Obviously, we can bump it up and that will most likely improve performance, but seven and eight ain't bad. (laughs) If you get someone who says, oh, our team is at a four and then everyone else is at seven, eight, nine, there's something going on and you need to get to the bottom of it. So I would thank that player for their feedback and then Maybe at the end of practice, just pull them aside and say, hey, Annie, earlier when we were talking about how well our team gets along and you said a four, that was a lot lower than what everyone else said. Is there something that's going on? And just wait. (laughs) Just let them talk. Don't try and fill in the blanks. Just be like, you know, let me know if something's going on. I can help you if there is something that's happening. And maybe you find out that this player is getting bullied or they feel left out. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But if you do have one person who is just really low, you need to figure out why that is. You can't just let that go. But figure out what the average score is and then work from there. The second more structured approach that you can take to improving conflict and helping your team get along better, that's going to be doing team bonding and team building activities. So a team bonding experience is going to be more along the lines of having a spaghetti night together, decorating t-shirts together. And a team building activity is going to be where you do something like the common enemy activity that I discuss. 
um, in episode 20 of the Get the Pancake podcast. So you can listen to that, go through the activity with your team. I also have a digital download on getthepancake.com that will be linked in the description. It literally gives you step-by-step what you need to do to do this team bonding activity. It includes prompts. So what you need to say to your team to get them to do each step in the activity, but doing something a little more structured with the purpose of coming together that's going to help your team bond a little more. In my opinion, I'm just going to be honest with you guys. Team bonding, team building activities work really well for teams who are either new to each other and are willing to get to know each other or teams who already kind of get along. This is just going to solidify how well the team gets along. This is just going to solidify those bonds and improve, make them closer. If you have a team that's already not getting along and you're planning on doing a team bonding or team building activity, I would make sure that you have additional support so it's not just you running these activities, but maybe there are chaperones if you're going out to pizza together or having an assistant or two help you with the team building activity. Just because if there are players who already don't get along, if you're really struggling with conflict, there might be additional conflict um, and drama that happens at these activities and that is going to tear everything down. So I love team bonding and team building, but if you're really struggling with your team getting along, I would wait for the impact of our more informal actions to start to take place where the players at least start to gel a little bit. Um, or we might have to do the more drastic measures that we're going to discuss here at the end of the episode. Team bonding, I would say if you're at that six, seven level, maybe even a five, could you could do team bonding or team building activities. But I think that's better for teams who already kind of get along or who just don't know each other yet. Okay, the next structured activity that we can do with our teams to help them get along better is goal setting. You guys are probably sick of it. I talk about goal setting all the time and that's because it works. The best teams that I've had, goal setting has been instrumental to our success. I'm not a perfect coach. There have been a couple of seasons where I got lazy with goal setting and I didn't do it as much as I should have. And those seasons didn't go as well as my other seasons. I'm just gonna be honest with you. (laughs) And goal setting, in my opinion, is the reason that that happened because I got lazy. I didn't want to take on the extra effort of getting that ritual in place, but it makes things so much easier having goals. So as I mentioned, I talk about goal setting all the time. I specifically talk about it in episode eight here on the Get the Pancake podcast. I have a ton of resources on getthepancake.com. I will link to those. I also have a goal setting packet specifically for volleyball teams And this was just updated like this weekend. So now it has pages for tournament goals as well as just match goals. So this is going to work better for club volleyball teams now. As I mentioned, I do a lot of research. I don't just go by what works for me. One of the articles that I'm going to direct you to is titled Team Building Through Team Goal Setting. And team goal setting is a major aspect of the goal setting packets that I have on getthepancake.com. But in the abstract of this article, which came out in 2008, it says that 
when you are implementing a team goal setting program, you should establish long-term goals first, which you do, you establish season goals, and then establish clear paths to those long-term goals, which you do in the packet. Involve all team members in establishing the team goals, check, and monitor team progress towards those goals, and check. So we do all of those things in the goal setting packet. The only thing that isn't necessarily built into the goal setting packet that this article discusses is rewarding team progress towards team goals. But I think that could be a major part of your rituals that you build around goal setting. Rituals are discussed in the coach instructions for the goal setting packet. So although it's not built in, one of the ways that you could reward your players as they work towards achieving those team goals is giving players the opportunity to share the goals that they're setting for themselves, which are working towards team goals and letting them talk about how they're accomplishing and achieving their goals. So Maybe at the start of every practice when you just finished up a tournament or a match, at the next practice you could say, okay, who has a small goal that they achieved and they want to share it? Set aside like five minutes to let a couple of players talk about what they did well and what they achieved, have the whole team clap for them or snap for them or whatever you want to do, and then say who has a really big goal that they achieved and wants to share. So this could be maybe towards the end of the season, your players are starting to achieve goals like touching a certain height in their vertical and then you'll set additional big picture goals but letting players just share what they're accomplishing is a great reward you don't necessarily have to go out and buy them candy or anything like that there was another article i'm having trouble finding it right now i will include it but it does say that goal setting positively impacts team building on youth sports teams goal setting i think can be done with Every team, it might be a little more challenging if you do have conflict with your players. It doesn't need to start at the beginning of the season. That's probably the easiest time to start a goal setting program, but you can introduce it later on. You're just going to have to play a little catch up because you've already started to kind of form norms for behavior with your team. So you'll just have to spend a little extra time reinforcing the goal setting portion. Okay. It's time to talk about drastic measures. So this is when our team is just not getting along and we've tried everything, team bonding activities, the mandated high fives, they're just not working. I would recommend that you start with those, but if you're doing that and it's been about two to three weeks and things just aren't working out, it's really time to go all in on solving this issue. So the very first thing that I'm going to ask you to do is to look at yourself in the mirror. Is this a you problem? I know that's not going to be comfortable for a lot of us, um, but really think about it. Are you modeling behavior that encourages players to talk down to each other? Or are you maybe singling out some players and excluding other players intentionally, unintentionally, doesn't matter. I mean, it kind of does. If you're intentionally excluding someone, you can't do that. (laughs) But the very first thing before we start, you know, having team meetings or, or disciplining players, we really need to just sit down, give yourself at least 30 minutes, uninterrupted time. Is this 
issue happening because you are not behaving in a way that encourages good behavior at practice. One of the things I encourage you to think about is monitoring your language at practice. No, I'm not talking about swearing, although I would highly encourage you to limit that. But how do you talk to your players? You say, come on, why didn't you get that? Instead of, that's okay, you'll get the next one. Players mimic what we do because we are teaching them how to behave on the court. And so they'll start to talk to each other the way that you talk to them. So make sure that you are speaking positively, even when you're giving feedback on how to correct something. Make sure it's framed positively and that will start to impact how your players talk to each other. Take a look at the environment that you're setting up. Does it encourage players to get into that us versus them mindset? Do you always have your teams be exactly the same? And so it's sort of starters versus subs. That can cause a lot of drama. And side note, I understand that that is how it needs to be at higher level teams and older teams. But a lot of us can sort of mix up those teams at times if our players start to get into an us versus them mindset. So some of you, depending on your own personality, I'm going to tell you, really look into how you're behaving. And then some of you, I'm going to say, calm down. It's not you. Because some of us tend to think, and I'm one of these people, oh my gosh, this was all my fault. Like maybe I'm being too mean. So use some self-awareness here. Are you beating yourself up over nothing or are you not being hard enough on yourself? You definitely know this better than I do, so I'm going to leave that up to you. Another thing to consider is, is another coach on your coaching staff negatively impacting the team? And if you think that they are being too negative with the team, you probably need to have a talk with them about their behavior at practice. This can be really informal and you can bring it up in a lighthearted manner. Let's just say it's your assistant. This is going to be an easier conversation. Um, But if it's your assistant, let's say, hey, Tara, you know how our players haven't really been getting along? I think it's because of how we're talking to them. Let's try and change how we behave around our players and what sort of feedback we give to them. Right now, I've noticed that we say this and this and this a lot. Let's switch that up so that instead of this, we say this and give specific examples. And honestly, if you're an assistant coach, your head coach may or may not be open to that feedback, but I think it's worth bringing up outside of practice. So don't do this at practice. This is the wrong time to do it. But maybe afterwards, just say, hey, I wanted to talk to you. I noticed, you know, our players have been having a lot of issues. We've been talking about how to fix it. I heard something online or I read something online that it might be about how we're interacting with our players and how we're modeling behavior. Do you think that that's something that we should address? Sort of leave it up to the head coach if you are the assistant. But this is a good way to sort of introduce that topic without coming across as saying like, hey, you're messing up. Here's what we need to fix. So first, look at yourself. Look at the coaching staff. If that's not the issue, something that a former coach of mine, she was the varsity coach. I was coaching a lower team in the program. And what she said was genius. And it was how I structured my practices that really impacted the team. As I've said, most of my teams have gotten along in the past. And so the way I like to structure my practices is where I have, you know, a certain time where I 
discuss skills and talk about skills, talk about why we're doing things. But with this particular team, a lot of them didn't get along. And there were even like three or four separate groups. This was a large roster, very different personalities, and they just didn't get along. And something that the varsity coach pointed out to me was that there's a lot of standing time and waiting in line at practices. And this kind of lets players misbehave and sort of get into trouble. So one of the hardest things for me to do was to switch up my practice structure and sort of make sure that everybody's moving at all times. There's rarely a time to stand still unless you're getting water. And even then you're still trying to hustle because you don't have that much time. So if you have a team that's not getting along, they're fighting with each other, what you need to do is take a look at your practice structure, determine if there's just too much standing around time and too much time for players to sort of engage in bad behavior at practice. So my my advice is to speed things up if you have teams that aren't getting along. Let's say so far you've implemented all these changes and there's still issues. You got to discipline players. Even if you're not comfortable, you got to do it. Keep in mind that you can't discipline players if you don't have rules set in the first place. So if you don't have rules about behavior, make sure to create those go over those with the team and have clear consequences. So if maybe if someone is misbehaving, however you want to define that, they have to sit out at practice. And you can start out with saying like, you'll sit out for the rest of the drill and then you can come back in. If you misbehave again, then you're going to sit out for the rest of practice. And you can do things like that. But my favorite discipline is just having players sit out because they want to be on the court. They're on a volleyball team because they want to play volleyball. So having them sit out is, in my mind, the ultimate punishment because one, it's embarrassing, but two, you don't want to sit out at practice. If this bad behavior continues, have them sit out at games. And if you start to get questions from parents, perfect. You can explain it to them. Make sure that the athletes are clear on what they're doing wrong, what you want to see from them in the future. Don't just discipline them and then not say anything moving forward. So if you make someone sit out at practice before they come back in, go over and say, hey, Angela, I made you sit out because you were talking while I was talking or whatever the discipline issue is. Or I made you sit out because what you said to Jessica on the court was not appropriate. If that situation comes up again, here's what I would like you to do instead. Do you agree with me that that's a better way to handle the situation? Then they'll just say yes. Like, okay, if that's something that we can agree on, then you can come back onto the court and engage in practice again. If it happens again, you're out for the rest of practice though. And this usually puts players in a bad mood and then they're kind of grumpy for the rest of practice, but whatever, they'll get over it. Now they know how they are allowed to behave and not behave. One of the interesting things that I find is that once you take out a player who is a cause of a lot of the issues, the team will usually be playing better. And that's justification to have them sit out at games until they improve their attitude. If you have multiple players causing issues, have them both sit out, but have them not sit next to each other. So have them sit on opposite ends of the gym or opposite ends of the bench. I don't think I should have to say this, but there's no phones allowed. So if phones come out, then they're just out for practice. And I'm happy to discuss that with parents if parents are upset because usually parents are going to discipline their child way more than what I would do. All right, the next thing to consider doing if you are still having huge issues 
is have a team meeting. These are always really awkward. I'll try and find some resources for you guys. Before you hold a team meeting, make sure that you know kind of what the issues are. So maybe it's this person isn't getting along with this person. And usually it's something that we as adults are able to dismiss as being trivial and not that important. But in our youth volleyball players' lives, it's like the ultimate horrible thing that's happening and so there's no way that they can be friends anymore so don't dismiss it just because you think it's something stupid that they're mad at each other about treat it as if it is a big deal because obviously it is it's tearing your team apart or it's causing conflict so treat it like it's a big deal Um, but bring the team together know what the issue is ahead of time and just hash it out together there are guidelines that you can follow i'll include links to those. Have a team meeting, work it out. There's, I'm just telling you right now, if you're coaching a girls volleyball team, I don't know about boys, but the girls, there will probably be tears and that's okay. Sometimes you just got to get it out, but you should aim to come up with a resolution by the end of the meeting. Now, if you've done team meetings, maybe you're just even going over new rules for practice where you didn't have clear discipline before, or if it is something where these two players feel left out because of the way that these three players are treating them and some people just have no idea what's going on and okay so you've tried those team meetings maybe things were better for a practice or two but then of course things just turn right back around and nothing's solved it might be time to start having meetings with parents and players so if there's players who are causing issues having meetings with them and their parents And a lot of times parents are really busy, so don't just pull them aside. You want to give them a heads up that you need to talk to them. That way they can mentally prepare too, because parents do not enjoy being caught in those deer in the headlight moments. So if you need to talk to a parent because a player is continuously misbehaving or causing conflict, just let them know that you want to talk to them. So reach out to them, either call them, text them, email them. I don't think it really matters these days. Just say, Cheryl, there are some things going on with how Madison is behaving at practice. I'd really like to speak with you after practice today or maybe have a phone call later this week, whatever works for you. I just want to share with you what's happening at practice and kind of get your feedback if there's any something else going on. Because sometimes the players that seem like they're causing issues, they might not actually be the problem. So you don't want to go into these meetings like, I know everything. This is the answer. Go into it with an open mind still. I mean, you can bring forward issues. We can say, you know, Madison seems to constantly be in the center of conflicts. And we're trying to get to the bottom of it. I'm not sure if she's starting it, but she's usually involved. And have your specific issues that are coming up. And then the parents may yell at you. You got to be ready for that. I mean, depending on how you've been as a coach, and if you haven't been using discipline at practice, you might get yelled at. Even if you've been doing a great job of coaching, you might get yelled at. Be ready for that. This is part of dealing with conflict is it's not going to be fun. If someone starts yelling at you, just make sure that you remain calm, remain calm, remain open-minded. The best thing that you can do is just listen to someone in full. And even if someone's yelling at you, telling you that you don't know what you're doing, um, (laughs) you can continue to ask them questions and say, you know, I understand that that's what it looks like maybe from the outside. 
So if someone says like, oh, you never do anything about this. This is actually Lainey that's causing all the problems. I can't believe you didn't notice it. Everyone knows it. Like, wow, like I'm really glad that you brought it up. What is it that Lainey's doing? You're not arguing with them that they're wrong or anything because once you start to argue, people get defensive. Just let them vent. And then (laughs) by the time they get to the end of their rant, it'll probably be like, oh, well, Actually, it was just maybe this one time that Lainey said something, but that started a feud between Madison and Kira. And so, you know, it wasn't really as big of an issue as they made it seem in the beginning. But you just got to let them vent it out. You're going to be on the receiving end, so be ready. Or you might have a great meeting where the parent says, wow, I didn't realize that Madison was behaving like that. Um... I'm going to handle it. Don't worry. Now the parent knows it's still like everything doesn't magically change overnight. Obviously, you want a great result from dealing with conflict, but have low expectations. Don't think that everything will change overnight. Your team isn't going to be best friends in one week just because you had a parent meeting with the players who are causing problems. You're going to be starting at ground zero. So just take it step by step and don't worry about rushing forward. Start with those informal steps that we talked about in the beginning and work your way up from there. The last uh, drastic measure, and this is a pretty drastic measure, um, is possible player removal. If there's conflict, especially if it is one player in particular, which it always seems like it is, it's so important that in the beginning of the season, you have a clear player and parent handbook that outlines behavior expectations. If you don't have that, you're probably not going to be able to remove a player from your team. I'm just going to be honest with you. You're probably stuck with them. And that's a lesson moving forward. But removing a player is very serious. It includes getting your director involved, parents involved, obviously the players involved. We want to avoid this unless this player is physically harming someone, verbally abusing teammates. We don't want to give up on these kids, okay? Players who have issues and are acting out, sometimes sport is their escape from whatever their reality is, whether that's something tough going on at home or just in their personal life while they're at school. Maybe they're having some issues. And so we don't want to give up on them and just assume that they're a bad kid. But once a player's actions start impacting others in a harmful way, then it's probably time to remove them from the team. And these players can go on and actually have successful volleyball careers. If you're in a club, maybe they just absolutely, the way that your club runs, maybe it just doesn't work for them whatsoever. Maybe you're too lenient or too strict and this player is just rebelling against that. If they move to a different club, they can be like a stud athlete just based on a different environment. And that's okay because not everyone's personality is a great fit with every club. That's fine. So although it will be hard if you are going to get rid of someone, it can still work out well for them. Or maybe they, if it's a school program, maybe they just need to play a different sport. Maybe they will thrive in soccer and volleyball is just not right for them. Or maybe they can play tennis, try an individual sport, and they will excel there. Think about it more as you're giving the rest of your team the great opportunity to have an amazing season, and you're giving this player the opportunity to find something that's a better fit for them. Because having a player who's miserable, who's causing conflict all the time, 
that's making a lot of people unhappy. So now I'm going to very briefly talk about some preventative actions that you can take in the beginning of the season or before your season even gets started. Something that I discussed in episode 18 of the Get the Pancake podcast, which is titled Cut the C Players. Preventative action is going to be choosing your players wisely and making sure that you're not bringing on players just because you feel bad and don't want to cut someone or maybe you're only cutting one person and you don't want them to feel bad. If they're not going to be a good fit for the team, don't bring them on. Likewise, if you feel like you have to keep them because this year they're going to be a senior or they were on the team last year and all their friends um, are on the team. I don't want to get rid of them. There are appropriate teams for that. That might be a rec team. That might be a low-level club team. If that's where you're at, fine. But most teams, it's not going to benefit the player and it's going to actually hurt the team as far as team bonding goes. Because if someone is clearly dragging the team down, then there's going to be conflict. I would also recommend that you limit your team size to something that is actually manageable. That team that I had a lot of struggles with, I had 14 players on the team, which I had had a successful team in the past, which had 14, but those were all very, um, those players all got along and they were all sort of at the same skill level and just generally well-behaved players. Sure, there's a fair amount of drama that still happens no matter what, but Overall, it was a great season. When I had issues is when there were clear distinctions where players should have been cut, but they were kept on. And that's where you get issues is when you have a large team size just because you feel bad and keep more players than you should. Also, another preventative action is to improve the coach to player ratio. So if you are going to take on 14 players, if you're going to have a huge roster, Make sure that you have at least one assistant coach, if not two. I don't care what kind of coach you are, how skilled you are. You can't watch everyone at all times. And being able to keep an eye on everyone really helps limit conflict. So when your back is turned, that's when the conflict is going to happen. So bring on an assistant. Bring on a volunteer coach if your organization allows it. Just try and improve that coach-to-player ratio. The last preventative action that you can do in the beginning of your season is to make sure that you set behavioral expectations. This can include spelling out rules from the very beginning about what is and isn't allowed, but also leave yourself some wiggle room for interpretation. I had a coach at one point who said if it's stalling the team or holding us back in any way or being detrimental, that's not allowed. (laughs) She actually had very simple rules. It was if it's good for the team, it's allowed. If it's bad for the team, it's not allowed. Something along those lines. I forget. It was quite a while ago. But have something broad and general like that that could cause some issues about things being fuzzy, but it does give you a little extra wiggle room. If things come up that you didn't specifically think to say like, oh, well, clearly pushing people in line is not allowed, but maybe I didn't say it, you know, in the specific rules, but that's obviously something that shouldn't be allowed. So again, having something broad um, might help you out in that sense. All right, coaches, thank you so much for coming to the Get the Pancake podcast. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please share it. I'm trying to reach as many coaches as I can to help them have their best season yet. And dealing with conflict is going to help you get a lot further in your season than just ignoring it. Also, if you could leave a review, I would absolutely love that. Don't forget to check out getthepancake.com for additional articles and digital downloads that you can use with your team. I have a lot of printables that are going to be a great investment for you in leveling up your players. With that, I will let you go and I will see you in next week's episode.